Welcome to the Manifesting Mum podcast. I'm Gemma Bernad, the Manifesting Mum. Listen up, gorgeous soul. Manifesting is an inside job. If you want to transform your life, you must transform yourself first. Why? Because you don't manifest what you think, you manifest what you believe. And I'm here to help you change your beliefs so you can create anything you want. In these episodes, we're going to dive deep into all things manifesting and mindset with a dash of woo-woo. So if you're the type of mum that's sick of feeling unfulfilled, tired of being overwhelmed and is totally ready to wake up every day loving life, then it's your time to learn how to make it all happen with courage, confidence and most importantly with love. This is going to be life-changing, so let's do this. Well, welcome to another episode of the Manifesting Mum podcast. I'm really excited for this episode. It is so amazing, the conversation that I've just had with my guest on today's episode of the podcast. Um, You're going to learn so much about this inspiring, empowering, amazing, vulnerable and authentic woman who is Lisa Carpenter. She is a coach that um, has mentored under Jim Fortin, who for those of you that have been listening and part of my community will know that I did his transformational coaching program uh, last year in 2018. And she was one of the coaches um, that was within that program, uh, you know, supporting Jim to coach, you know, over 300 people in that program. And her ability to tell stories, to be vulnerable, to tap into the emotion and the feeling involved with a lot of what Jim was teaching us was something that I connected so deeply with and helped me to experience such a a real monumental shift in who I was showing up as being in my life. And I, this episode, I mean, I learnt even more about myself and about who I am and how I'm being and it was amazing to be able to have that conversation with her and I'm so excited to be able to bring this conversation to you with uh, Lisa Carpenter. She's an amazing soul. She's a phenomenal coach. She really knows how to get people to transform who they're being so that they can create something different in their life and it was amazing to have her and and for her to give us so freely of her time and her energy and her experience and her wisdom as well in this podcast I highly highly encourage you if you are listening to this podcast episode on the go I suggest you take some time to listen to this in the quiet of a bath or on the lounge sometime because Lisa really goes into the importance of taking care of ourselves. So please use this episode as an opportunity to nurture your soul, to nurture who you are, to give back to yourself and know that I promise you that you will not think the same. You will not be the same once you finish this episode. I promise you that because Lisa really does share so much of herself and in doing so, she shares some uh, amazing wisdom that will help you to start to see yourself differently and to start to see the importance of being 100% responsible for where your life is and how you're showing up in your life and for yourself and also how important it is to really 
take yourself from the bottom of your pile and to start to bring yourself up to make yourself the priority in your life because even though you might struggle to wrap your head around that when you live your life from being your number one priority everybody wins you win your partner wins, your children win, the people you're serving in your business win, the people that you're working with, they win too. Honestly, it is well worth really starting to shift your self-worth to understand where you're at with that, to get curious as well. And Lisa's going to share some beautiful ways that you can do that. So without further ado, please... Grab yourself a cup of tea, coffee, get into the bath with a glass of champagne or wine, sit down with a gorgeous green smoothie, go for a lovely walk and take some time for yourself and listen to this episode of the Manifesting Mum podcast. So without further ado, I bring to you my beautiful chat with Lisa Carpenter. Well, hello, beautiful souls. Welcome to another episode of the Manifesting Mum podcast. And you know I love to talk, but what I love next to that is to invite amazing guests onto this podcast to share their really raw, vulnerable, honest stories of who they are, what they do, and how they came to where they are in their life. And I know that today you're going to be incredibly inspired And I think you're going to learn a lot about yourself today in this episode. So I am really, really excited to welcome my amazing guest for today, Lisa Carpenter, onto the Manifesting Mum podcast. Lisa is the secret weapon for driven, ambitious achievers who want to live, lead and perform at their highest level. That just gives me goosebumps too, by the way, Lisa. She helps her clients break free from being the last Thing on their to-do list and shift their perspective so they can feel more peace, ease, joy and fulfillment. Her full frontal living message encourages her clients to slow down and pay attention to how they're feeling so they can stop pushing their way through life, get present and take control of their physical and emotional well-being. With nearly 20 years of coaching experience and an extensive background in nutrition and fitness, Lisa brings a unique combination of coaching to her clients, helping them reclaim a relationship with themselves where they become their number one priority. She's also the author of the best-selling Amazon book, Let's Eat, Break the Addictive Cycle of Dieting and Make Peace with Food and Your Body for Life, along with being the creator of multiple online programs. She was also one of the coaches in the transformational coaching program that I recently completed with Jim Fortin, and that is how we have connected. And now here she is on the podcast, ready to share, guide, lead, inspire i'm sure all of those things so a huge welcome to the manifesting mum podcast lisa thank you for being here thank you so much for having me on and it I, you're hired i'm gonna get you to read my bio all the time <laughs> i'm like that was amazing Tick. Uh, thank you thank you so thank you so much um it's always interesting hearing about yourself through somebody else's perspective mm. It is, isn't it? We all have our own lens that we see ourselves through, but when we get to see ourselves through the lens of somebody else, 
it can be very uh, eye-opening. And mm. sometimes it still takes my breath away. Like, oh, that's me. That's me she's talking yeah. about. Well, isn't that the humbleness? That's the humbleness of who you are. I mean, I think that's a beautiful place to be. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, is, I mean, I'm sure you and I will both agree, Jim, when it comes to coaching, is a phenomenal transformational coach. He really is. But admittedly, some of the biggest shifts I got were from some of your story and the way you showed up and shared that in the program. So, you know, and that, as you say, you don't realize, I don't think we realize sometimes when we do share so much of ourselves, I think we hope and we, we wish that it will help others, but we don't really know, do we? We don't often really hear. So, you know, definitely I can truly attest to some of the transformation that I experienced, which was of monumental levels as well in that program to the vulnerability that you showed up with. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. That program is phenomenal. Mm. And I'm so fortunate that I've had the opportunity to mentor under Jim. I don't know if you know the whole backstory of that, but it was, um, it was a really interesting, again, you know, I know you talk about manifesting. When Mm. I first heard Jim on a podcast, I remember where I was standing in the gym. I'm taking notes on my phone and I'm like, who is this man? He's talking about the same stuff that I do, but in a different way. And I remember I said to myself, he's going to be my next coach and mentor. I don't know how that's going to happen, but he's going to be my next coach and mentor. And then, you know, not long after that, I showed up at BBD Live, which is an event in Laguna by James Wedmore. I was a VIP at that event and up watched Jim on stage. And I was like, of course he's here. Um, So after he came off stage, everybody kind of, excuse me, ambushed him. And I just kind of stood off to the side. Excuse me. Let me take a sip of water here. And it's okay. This is real life people. Sometimes you get a frog in your throat. So after everybody had finished ambushing him before he left, I'm like, I have to talk to him. Right. The awkward, like Mm. the awkward kid. Cause I am not, I'm not a, we'll call it star watcher. I don't put anybody on a pedestal because I believe we really are all the same. And that's part of the problem is when we think there's like this hierarchy. Mm. So I just went up to him and said, I needed to introduce myself to you. I don't know why, but we're meant to work together or know each other in some capacity. And he was like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) all right then, crazy woman. Uh, And off he went. And then when he launched TCP, I was one of the first people that signed up. I didn't even know what I was buying. Didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Got on a coaching call with him. And within the first week of that TCP group, I shot a video for him. Again, something I'd never done and said, I want to know what it would look like to coach or mentor under you. What do you think that would look like? And I literally was like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but it was such a pull. Mm. And sure enough, almost a year to the date um, of when I first said he's going to be my next coach and mentor, he invited me to be one of his coaches inside his program. Mm. And it's been such a powerful experience for me to really step into my ability as a coach mm. and to share from my perspective, because Jim and I come at things, we, we deliver the same message, but we do it in our own unique way. Mm. So he talks a lot to thoughts. Mm. I talk a lot to emotions, mm. right? Our emotions, our thoughts create our emotions, mm. right? But I help people feel what they're feeling so that we can get to the thought underneath it and then unearth it. And one of my gifts is speaking to emotion. Mm. 
Whereas Jim is not a kinesthetic, like he's not, so kinesthetic is using your emotions. He's not kinesthetic. He's just, you know, move your attention, change your thinking. And that doesn't work for everybody. So being a coach in that group really challenged me to step up and get over the, you know, every time I'd write a post, I'm like, you know, is Jim going to be okay with this? And I just had to get over it and say what I was there to say. I yep. know that if he didn't, you know, if he didn't resonate with something I was posting, he's a grown man. He can reach out to me and he's, he's never done that. And I think that, you know, in my opinion, in my interpretation, we're a good balance for each other because I do bring that piece of emotional resiliency and speaking to our feelings, which as women, that's where we operate from that, from that. Absolutely. That's where our power is. And to manifest anything in this world, you have to be able to touch the feeling of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know anything other than showing up and speaking in feeling words. However, that was not my natural default setting. I used to be totally up in my head. I didn't even hug people. I was not a feeler. I'm like, don't, don't touch me. I'm not a feeler. Mm. And you know, it took some really big life events for me to get out of my head into my heart. And now this is kind of how I'm here to serve. So it's been, it's been a journey. Well, it always is a journey, isn't it? But um, I mean, your vulnerability and how you showed up so authentically really, um, you know, resonated with myself and so many people as well. And I think that's so important. I mean, anyone that listens to my podcast and has listened to it since the beginning knows I talk about Jim quite a bit. So they know I think quite highly of him. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, we do, we resonate with different people and we get the message and we need it to be delivered in different ways. You know, we need there to be a balance in some respects of that perspective to help us to sometimes shift to the next level. And as you say, as women, you know, when it comes to feelings and emotions, it is such an integral part of who we are. And we sh- I don't believe we should ever shut that part down of ourselves. And we can't because when we do shut that part of ourselves it will still try to rise to the surface. I mean, now when we can't express the emotion, you know, our body will find a way to weep. So, you know, we truly do need to really honour that. And I certainly teach to my community that our emotions are almost in some respects like a little internal alarm system. They're there to guide us to dig deeper, to understand. And um, that's such a really important part of this. And it's so, I love that that is such an important part of how you coach people too and how you help people is to really get in touch with emotions. Because as you just said then, I mean, it's that wasn't your default mode. You know, mm-hmm. it's something that you had to learn. And you know, it's so important that we don't accept that we are just the way we are. We can always be whoever we want to be. And I would love you because I know, I do know some of your story um, from TCP and it is a beautifully honest and vulnerable story. And I would really love it and be so grateful if you would share your journey of transformation yourself over the last few years to how you have come to arrive in this place in your life right now where, you know, vulnerability and feeling into your emotions and helping other women to do that has become such an integral part of your life. It's quite the story. <clears throat> it is. It is Brace yourself, ladies. This no, is, and it is well worth it. Take another 
sip Lisa's of water. Lisa's taking a, a sip of water. <clears throat> so maybe pause right here. Go grab yourself a coffee or a glass of wine if you'd like. But this is a beautiful story. So please make sure you are somewhere where you can really listen because you're going to get so much out of this. My goodness, the timing of this uh, really couldn't be more perfect because January 31st, so we're recording this just after that, I don't know Mm. when it's going live, was actually the anniversary, the seven-year anniversary of when I transported my husband over to rehab. Mm. So at the time, I had a six-month-old son, two preteen sons, and the universe decided it was going to give me a very harsh wake-up call. And I realized that my husband was an active addict. He was addicted to cocaine. He was addicted to gambling. He was addicted to all the things. Mm. Um, and it was, it was kind of my, you know, come to Jesus moment. I was a controller. I was a, an overdoer, a caretaker. I was basically your classic codependent but I was also a coach and I was completely blind to the pile of crap that I was standing in myself, mm-hmm. right? Like we don't know what we don't know until we know it. That's yep. why it's called unconscious incompetence. We don't know what we don't know. So when he went over to rehab, I really had two choices. I could become a victim of my circumstances or I could take it as an opportunity to learn about myself. Now, I know I make this sound like airy fairy. I wasn't like super happy about taking this as an opportunity Mm. to help myself. I was really angry. Um, I was very confused. And what initially motivated me was how am I going to save my family? Mm. How can I fix this? What What do I need to do to learn about addiction? And it was when, you know, it was when it became really apparent to me that I didn't have to worry about saving him. I had to worry about saving myself. Mm. Like when everything kind of landed and I realized how deep I was in it, you know, I, I remember sitting in the counselor's office and it was such an aha moment because, so my husband, the, the rehab center he went off to is on Vancouver Island. I'm on the mainland. And, uh, so every Sunday I was going to go over and visit him. So we're talking like two hours on a ferry, an hour drive for like a two hour visit with a six month old. Mm. And the counselor looked at me and he said, so let me get this straight, Lisa. You're going to pack up your baby every week for a, you know, six hour round trip, six, seven hour round trip so that you can help your husband feel better. He's like, am I understanding that right? And I'm like, yes. He's like, so he literally like chose drugs over you because this is addiction, right? Like Mm. it doesn't make any sense. We can't rationalize it. I'll never make sense of it. But he chose all this stuff over you and you're more worried about him feeling better and him feeling supported. And I literally, I was so angry. I leaned in. I'm like, yes, I love him. I need to be that. He needs to know he has my support. And I left there and I got in my car and I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, what am I thinking? This guy has just like put me through the ringer. Why am I caring more about how he feels than how I feel? And, you know, for me in my life, Whenever we come up against resistance, 
we go into either fight, flight, or freeze. Mm. I'm a fighter. <laughs> so when I lean in hard and I'm fighting, I know I'm fighting for a limitation or a belief. And mm-hmm. that was kind of the, Lisa, you need to take a step back. So a lot of things changed from there. I decided to never visit him. I actually ended up cutting off all communication with him. Mm-hmm. And I 100% committed myself to unraveling my stuff because I realized that we had no hope of being in a healthy relationship if I wasn't in a healthy relationship with myself first mm. and that that had to matter first and foremost. And he also realized that he had to get sober for him because if he was getting sober for me, we were going to be, you know, screwed right out of the gate. And at that time, you know, when I was asking people to show me a relationship that had survived addiction, there was nobody. So I literally was like, I don't know how this is going to work. So I have to prepare myself for this might not work. And that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I went at it. Now I'm happy to say that seven years later, he's still celebrating sobriety. He actually doesn't identify with being an addict at all. Yeah. Like that's not even part of his identity. He doesn't Mm. go to meetings anymore, which a lot of people would say, that's crazy. He has to Mm. do that. But it's not his identity anymore. Mm. He literally isn't that same person. Yep. We have a, a happy, healthy relationship now. He works on himself. I work on myself. And, uh, you know, we've both still got our stuff we've got to work on like any normal couple. But I'm, I'm happy to report that, yeah, it's been seven years of radical growth and transformation for us both. Oh, it, I've heard that story before. It gives me goosebumps because I can still feel a lot of the pain that must have gone through at that time. And, um, you know, that journey obviously is such a huge one. And as you just pointed out, I mean, when you said you, you went out and sort of asked, show me some people that have survived this, show me some relationships that have survived addiction. And there was, were really none whatsoever. I mean, that unto itself can be an incredibly difficult reality to face. What is it that really made you realize that, you know, your best chance at, you know, reconnecting and making your relationship work and your family work and your life head in the direction you want was for you to work on yourself? Like at what point in time I know you mentioned obviously having that appointment with the counsellor, but what was it that made you go, this is, I've got, it's me. Like, I mean, so many people, you had a choice, as you said, you could either play the victim or you could see this as an opportunity. And I think probably so many people in your situation would have played the victim, which is why the relationship didn't survive. Those relationships don't survive. And I know I've spoken myself about being a victim to circumstance in my life for almost two decades Uh, My story was completely different, but I lost my mum when I was 10 years old, but I played the victim to that um, experience and the fact that my dad was not the dad that I wanted him to be. I played victim to that experience for two decades, for 20 years I played that. Um, And I see a lot of people, I see a lot of women too, playing victim to their life and staying in that space. What made you go, I'm not going to be a victim And as painful as this is, I'm going to try my best 
to make this an opportunity for growth? What a great question. Um, it started out with my stubbornness. So <laughs> I've, I've really had an attitude my whole life. Oh, you don't think I can? Well, let me show you. And that's nothing to brag about because that actually was coming from a place of low self-worth and I'm going to prove to you, I'm going to prove my worthiness to you. Um, what really made me take responsibility for my role is one, you, addiction and codependency is like, you know, water to a man dying of thirst. Mm. You can, if, it, if an addict gets clean, but the people he's surrounded himself with are still in unhealthy habits, they'll fuel the addiction. They enable the addiction um, and vice versa. So it really kind of started out from this unhealthy, stubborn place of I'll show you. Don't tell me my relationship isn't going to survive. I'll show you. To really coming to terms with, and you know, I was just writing about this the other day, it was devastating for me to realize how sick I was, mm. right? Because it's so easy to point the finger at the addict and say, well, if they were just healthy, I would be fine. And it was devastating for me to find out how unhealthy I was, all the behaviors that I was working from. So I had started going to you know, group therapy sessions locally from the same place that he had gone off to. And I would literally sit there with my arms crossed thinking like, you guys are all talking a foreign language because my behaviors were like breathing to me, perfectionism, control, being up in my head. Like I said, I couldn't, I couldn't feel like when somebody said to me, you've got to get out of your head and into your heart. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, mm. what does that even mean? And I read a book because of course, this is what we do. Mm -hmm, right? I'm going to control all the things. So I'm going to learn all the stuff because then I'll feel like I can control what's happening here. So I read a book called Codependent No More by Melody Beattie. And it literally took me to my knees. That book broke me. Mm. Um, I can still feel the emotion of that. That book mm -hmm. broke me because it was like the, the spotlight was turned on me and I couldn't unknow what I had just discovered about myself. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I felt so fundamentally broken. And I was like, oh my God, I have like all these things that I'm doing. And then it was like, how do I fix myself? And that's where things really got hard because I went into my group session and I sat down and I started to cry. And, and they said to me, Lisa, you've got to stop trying to fix this. You have to stop reading. This isn't about you absorbing any more information, right? Like I was a student of self-help before this happened. Mm. It was about learning and embodying and practicing and one by one unraveling these behaviors of perfectionism, people-pleasing, caretaking, control, approval-seeking. You know, really like when you really realize, wow, I don't think very highly of myself. I have low self-worth. Like, who wants to get out of bed in the morning and admit that to themselves? Mm. And that's, that's what I had to stand in. And then I had to look at my business relationships, my relationships with my clients. Um, you know, so I, I've joked with my husband that it was easier for him to get sober than it was for me to unravel my codependent behaviors because codependency and those behaviors were literally like breathing for me. 
right? He just needed to abstain from stuff. Mm. And all addicts are codependents too. He's got his own things. But this was literally like, I had to learn a new way of being. So here I was like, you know, self-sufficient, doing it all, thinking I had, had all my crap together to literally having to reach out and ask for help every day. Because I was like, I don't know how to manage this situation. I don't know how to have this hard conversation. I don't, I didn't even know what it meant to set a boundary. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. Can you explain that to me again? It was so, it was like standing at the bottom of a mountain looking up and saying, I have to go all the way out there and just feeling like it, everything was so hard. And I can't even tell you the day that everything changed because it wasn't this like one yeah. magical moment where the unicorn showed up and the rainbow came out. But one day it just, all of a sudden I realized like I actually felt good again and things were different and my life was different. And hmm. you know, it, it changed how I show up in my relationship, changed the relationship I have with myself, it changed how I parent right? Because I was trying to control my kids all the time. And that mm. is a recipe for disaster. Mm. Um, it changed the conversations we have in this household. It, it literally helped me open up to my emotions and start to understand, you know, it's important for us to feel our feelings. But what I was doing was basically using behaviors like people pleasing, control, caretaking to not feel the low self-worth, the insecurity, the lack of self-trust, right? And that's what, you know, when we're being run by emotion, we don't even understand we have these behaviors because we're trying to numb out how we're feeling. Mm. So that's what full frontal living is about, is pulling back all of these numbing behaviors, whether it's food or, you know, um, process addictions, with our, which are behavior addictions, and actually getting present to what we feel so that we can get to the belief underneath it and then fundamentally shift who we're being in the world. Mm. It just, it's a process. It's not, you don't read it in a self-help book and then tick the boxes. Yeah. Oh, look, I love what you said because I know uh, so many things I want to ask you as a result of that, but I know, um, I know for me personally, I, I've pr more than likely and very often gone to this process of just read more, learn more. And the reality is, is one of the biggest things I learned and TCP was definitely a, an opportunity to learn that was that it all comes down to the practice It all. You can, the reading, the learning is great, but if it's not, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. The knowledge is nothing. The practice is everything. Yep. Um, so it's so such an important part, but you know, we do, we're fearful, we're fearful of that. We resist a lot of that as well. There's so much there. I just want to ask you though, you, you, you mentioned something, you know, that really, caught my ear and that was that you you talked about how unhealthy you were in this process and how sick you were which is um for a lot of people you know could be interesting terminology to use because we categorize unhealthy and sick with some sort of physical ailment so you know someone's you know got cancer they're sick that's how unhealthy they are they're you know overweight or you know we we categorize that can you just explain what you mean by what you classify as your sickness and what was unhealthy for you? What did that look like for you? So how we think and feel about ourselves, the stuff that's going on under the surface all the time is actually toxic. It creates disease in our bodies. Um, you know, I, I like you had spent my life as a victim for no reason. Mm. <laughs> 
grew up in a loving family, but for whatever reason, I always felt like I didn't belong, wasn't loved, yada, yada. So I was unhealthy and unwell long before my hubby came into my life. So whether we're looking at a substance addiction and that person being unwell, because addiction really is you know, an unhealthy state of being, Mm -hmm. a process addiction, being addicted to these behaviors because they're being driven by unhealthy beliefs about who you are and what you believe to be true about yourself. They are unhealthy. And I hated calling myself sick. I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel good. But if I didn't, it was kind of like I wasn't taking ownership of my garbage So I had to take ownership and responsibility for really how destructive all of my behaviors were, right? Like Mm -hmm. I almost put myself into bankruptcy because I was taking over my partner's payments on our studio. She never Mm -hmm. asked me to do that, but I'm like, oh, she can't pay. I'll take it on myself. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I can look back over my life and look at relationships I was in and unhealthy relationships I was in. Just so much stuff. So I do look at it when we're operating from that place of unhealthy behaviors that we are unhealthy beings Mm. because we're carrying around unhealthy beliefs about ourselves. And at a cellular level, that's, it's toxic for us. Yeah, it absolutely, it, it absolutely is. And I really, one of the things that I have learned and am continuing to learn myself as I go along this journey, being the manifesting mom and sharing my experience and what I learn is that you can't manifest away this stuff. You can't create more in your life because it, it acts as a, I, I want to use the word band-aid, but it's, it's so even less temporary than a band-aid, you know, it's, and one of the things that I am certainly teaching and um, am immersing my own self in as well at the moment is what you talk about in terms of self-esteem and self-worth. And I call it just this feeling of enoughness, you know, that we're just enough. And I'm my for me, I am teaching myself now to manifest from a, and create from a place of enoughness, you know, that I am enough and what I have in my life is enough and anything that comes into my life as a result of the direct intentions I set is enough as well. And that has had to, you know, involve a very honest discussion with myself, a very honest, you know, awareness and like really looking in the mirror and saying, do I really feel enough? And what does enough actually feel like for me? And it's so, you know, and so, you know, when you talk about being unhealthy and how, and, and sick, I know for me, I, I, I lived from a place of chronic illness, you know, in terms of my lack of self-worth, chronic. Um, and I am incredibly lucky that it didn't manifest in a physical ailment as we, you know, as we understand illness to be, particularly because both my parents have lost to cancer. So, and my dad's cancer was a direct result of resentment and guilt and anger and loss, you know? So, you know, this experience and this life we're on, really the journey we're on, um, I just am so interested to, to know for you particularly, you know, that, self-worth I hate to even ask the question of how because it's so much more than that but I would love to know how 
you really went on that journey, what that journey looked like for you to really reconnect and uncover and peel back the layers to um, really just find your self-worth. What did that look like? It's still ongoing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's still ongoing. It always is, isn't it though? It always is. So it really did start with looking at the behaviors. And I, you know, I remember we were given this exercise where we had to write out all the things that we were using in our lives to block connection to ourselves and with others. And I was like, I'm going to nail this exercise. (laughs) (laughs) In true classic overachiever fashion, right? So I went out and bought myself some pencil crayons. I'm like, I'm going to make this an art project and yada, yada. And I spent all night drawing all these blocks. Like we had to make like a wall. And I'm like, I'm going to put everything on here because there's no way anybody's going to call me out on something I haven't called myself out on. Mm. Right. So I color them all and, you know, I go to group therapy the next day and we all had to open up our papers in front of us. Counselor leans in and she looks at mine. She's like, hmm, what do you guys see? And I'm immediately like, what? There's nothing to see? There's nothing to see here. I've nailed it, right? And she's like, it's very pretty. (laughs) And so immediately, right, my like, I'm going to fight. I'm going to lean in. Here we go. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like I was trying to get into my creative side. Like all of a sudden justifying everything came out. Mm. As soon as I start justifying, I know I'm Mm. down the rabbit hole. I need to just stop. That was such a huge moment for me because one, she circled everything on that sheet. And she said, do you see here that you're a human doing and not a human being? Oh, yes. Right? And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, that's a punch in the gut. And then, you know, the knockout punch was... Lisa, how often do you hide behind pretty in your Mm. life? And so talking about self-worth, you know, because I started my career as a personal trainer, I taught nutrition, I always grew up with insecurities. So I didn't hate my body, but I didn't love it. But once once I started training and competing, my body and my appearance literally kept people's at, at arm's length right? Because I was that girl that you just don't want to approach. Like mm-hmm. that, that type of person doesn't exist in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that I was using my perfectionism to mask my insecurities. If I could just look a certain way, then nobody would see that I was a hot mess behind the scenes. So when we talk about self-worth and how I found my way back, it was recognizing these patterns and saying, okay, hold on a second what I look like doesn't matter. Am I willing to engage in life? Am I willing to walk into a room and be the first person to introduce myself? So it doesn't mean that I have to, you know, not brush my hair anymore or wear sloppy clothes all the time. I still get to get dressed up and be pretty, but it's the intention behind it. Mm. Am I doing this to hide or do I really want to show up? And as we start peeling back these layers and we start getting honest with ourselves about why these behaviors are showing up, that's what leads us back to the beliefs about what we're really thinking about ourselves, right? Like what I was really telling myself was I'm not good enough unless I look a certain way, Mm. unless I present a certain way, unless I have this clean, polished image. That's not the truth, right? Like I get to show up as messy as I want or as polished as I want. So that's how I've kind of climbed my way out of this kind of self-worth or up towards self-worth 
And then just looking at where I'm no longer going to be available for the trash talk in my head. Mm. I'm in an online space. I'm surrounded by a lot of amazing women and men doing amazing things. Mm. I had to make a conscious decision that I was no longer going to measure myself against other people. Like that I got to have a seat at the table, not because the, you know, enoughness fairy showed up at my doorstep and tapped me on the shoulder, but because I decided that I get to have the seat at the table. Mm. And the part of me that was saying, oh, well, look at you with your ego. It has nothing to do with that. Mm. If we don't claim our worthiness, nobody is going to give it to us because it's our God-given right. Mm-hmm. But it's, a, it's uncomfortable because as women, we're told, like, don't have a big head. Don't, don't, you're too much, right? Yep. How many women are told, don't be too much. Don't take up too much space. Oh, yep. look at her with the ego. Oh, look at her with her thinking she's all that. So we learn to shrink. Yes. And at the end of the day, you know, when I put my head on my pillow at night, what matters is, did I show up and make an impact? And how am I thinking and feeling about myself? Because Mm. I am the one that I have to have a relationship with till the day I die. Yes. I am 100% responsible for that relationship. Nobody else. And I'm no longer available to give that power over to anybody else. Mm. So that's how you claim your self-worth. It's a daily practice Mm. of being unavailable for anything but being the awesome human being you are here to be. Mm. And that can be, that is such a foreign concept for so many people to get their head around. And I know, um, you know, a lot of people listening to this as well, when you talk about being an amazing human being, I mean, we crave praise, but what we really need is to praise ourselves. But yet we find that almost impossible some people find that almost impossible to do but that's it that's the daily practice isn't it i mean it's so and this is the thing it's the simplicity the simply is it not the simplicity of just as you said two things that when i go to bed at night have i made an impact and how have i treated myself yeah it really doesn't have yeah how does it doesn't have to be more complex than that does it no it really is you know so so many of us are seeking validation outside of ourselves when really it has to come from within. And Mm. women, we're just hardwired, right? We're supposed to give and give and give and give and give. But then we're unwilling to receive from others and from ourselves. And, you know, I remember, again, sitting back in that room and we had to go around the room and tell everybody some way they impacted us. And then they had to share with us how we impacted them. And I remember sitting there thinking, God, I feel like the Wicked Witch of the East or the West with like the water being spilled on her. I literally Mm. felt like there was acid being thrown at me when people were telling me how I'd impacted them. And I thought, what is wrong with me? Like, how is it okay that... I can, I can extend that to people, Yeah, but I am so unwilling to receive it. I was like a ninja warrior blocking compliments. Yeah. And if you want to be able to create a life you love, you have to be willing to receive because if you're giving all the time, you're throwing the, you're, you're energetically throwing yourself out of balance. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's so, it's so important to be able to receive, but as you rightly point out as women, as mums, particularly, um, you know, mums with very young kids, we are giving so much, mm-hmm. but you, you can't create a life you love unless you receive. You just can't do it. But it does take really looking at yourself and 
being totally responsible, doesn't it? Because we, we are looking and craving external validation all the time. Um, but unfortunately, external validation a lot of the time comes with hooks and it comes with expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's also only temporary too because, again, it is a Band-Aid to try and fix what is a deeper problem. So, you know, what is 100% like really taking responsibility? You know, what does that look like? You know, how do we really step into our power to be responsible for our life? For me, it came down to how do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. How do I want to feel in my life? And if I don't feel that way, mm-hmm. why? Am I blaming somebody? Is it because of my circumstances? Because I have to be responsible. So I had to look at my stories, right? Like I had stories that I wasn't successful. I'd run a bricks and mortar studio. I'd built online courses. I was teaching women from around the globe, but I didn't allow myself to be successful because the money wasn't in the bank. Mm. Okay. Like, so again, who's responsible for redefining success? Me. Mm. So I literally had written on my bathroom mirror, I am successful. I'm like, I'm claiming this. I'm going to say it. I'm going to read it every day until it really kind of, you know, I embody it. I'm going to change this definition of what successful is. And that's what it means to take responsibility. It's really looking around and no longer using your kids as an excuse, your partner as an excuse, where you're living as an excuse. If you're at the bottom of your pile, if you're at the bottom of your to-do list, if you're not mattering in your own life, it's because you're choosing that. And I know that sounds harsh, but you are choosing it. Because if you are telling me you do not have 10 minutes in the day for you, we've got a bigger problem. What are you keeping yourself busy with? How much time are you wasting on social media? How much time are you doing things you don't love? Where are you not asking for help? We all have more available to us when we put down the stories that are circling around us that allow us to continue to be martyrs and victims. Mm. Because again, like as women, this is just a story we were handed, be the martyr. It has to stop, but it it has to stop with you. And I think what people, they want like a, how how do I get from point A to point Mm. B? And they want it to be this like, you know, beautiful journey. Ladies, you're going to be crawling under barbed wire. You're going to scrape your knees. None of this is going to feel good because that first time you take that 20 minutes to go have a bath by yourself and you leave your, leave your husband and kids alone and God knows what they're doing and maybe they're making a mess of the house, it's not going to feel good. The first time you say no to somebody, it's not going to feel good. The first time you set a boundary, it's not going to feel good. So stop expecting that these transformational choices you're making are going to feel good. They will later, but when you are literally breaking patterns that are like breathing for you, there's nothing about it that is going to feel good, right? Like I'm basically asking you to breathe underwater. Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach you to breathe underwater and you're going to have to trust that you're going to learn how to breathe underwater. This is why people stop. Because they can't stand the discomfort. They would rather be in their familiar suffering, their familiar stories, their familiar way of doing things than to take 100% responsibility and ownership to do the hard things to create the things they want. Yeah. And it's choice, isn't it? I mean, I know, you know, it's such a, it's a choice and it's a choice. As you say, 
it's not going to feel good. You know, unco- this transformational work is uncomfortable. It really is. And it, sh- it should be. It should be uncomfortable. You know, it should be that dark night of the soul where you're letting go of your old self, but you're not stepped into this new person and you're in this horrible interim phase where you don't know who you are, what you're doing, what you stand for, anything like that. But it's a choice. It's a choice you take. But can't it also be a choice to redefine that transformation, to accept that, yes, it's uncomfortable, but can't we also then just create whatever damn story we want around our transformation that's going to help us to get, you know, to where we want to go effectively? Can't we do that as well? I mean, it, I, I know it's uncomfortable work, but I, I know for me, I tell myself as I'm doing it, I tell myself two critical things and a third thing. I'm choosing to do this. This feels as it should be, this feels good, it feels whatever, and I choose for it to feel this way. Can't we define this process differently as well to help us to continue on the journey? 100%. But it doesn't need to be sunshine and roses all the time. That's right. Right? Like we don't always have to be in this place of feeling happy. We were given a range of emotions so that we could experience high highs, low lows, and everything in between. So, you know, honor the days where it's sucky because you're human right? Like we're human. And to think that we're going to be able to always just not feel what we're feeling. So honor what you're feeling, just don't drown in it. So on the days where I'm feeling off, like this isn't feeling good. I honor it and ask myself, what do I need to feel better? What do I need to feel better? And I've had those days, guys, where I'm like, oh, is it bedtime yet? I'm ready to do over, right? And the whole day has just been about what do I need to do in this very moment to help myself feel better? Do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to read a book? Do I need to listen to music? Like, what are the things that help me feel better? And the other thing I want to say is you don't have to like something to accept it. And the sooner you accept where you are means that the resistance will fall away Because resistance comes when we're not in acceptance of our current circumstances, situation, whatever. Yep. That's when we can change. The the moment we accept where we're at, we can transform. So in whatever capacity that is. I didn't have to like that my husband was at rehab, but I had to accept it. And I had to accept the fact that I was angry and I was frustrated and I was sad and I was scared. I was all the things. Yeah. You know, when I'm working with women around their bodies, you don't have to like your body today, but it's irrelevant. Like accept where you are today because then we can start making forward progress. Yeah. You don't have to like that you're exhausted today, but you are. So let's start where we're at and how can we change that for tomorrow? But the more we focus on what we don't like and what we don't want, the further we take ourselves away from what we do want. Yes. Whatever you need to do, whatever methodology you need to use, whatever story you need to tell yourself in that moment to keep you moving forward, tell yourself that story. Yeah, yeah. That's what a great point because we are so programmed as, you know, to just have the set of stories we have and and almost to believe that they're fixed. You know, um, you know, know, how many people say, have you heard them say, I was just born this way? This is just who I am. And we accept that about ourselves. And what we don't realize is that we have this incredible power to create whatever story, whatever meaning, whatever belief 
we want in this moment to you know help us to shift us to grow us to make us feel better different whatever but we're stuck in this fixed belief system aren't we where we so many of us are stuck in this fixed belief system so you know is it really just as simple now as going okay well i have the power to do it so i'll change the story is that really is it really as simple as that yeah yeah it can be yeah it really can be but you know sometimes there's a little bit more unpacking to do yeah right sometimes we have to ask ourselves better questions because you know you you can just change it like that but you can also, you know, delude yourself into thinking that you've changed when you really haven't because you haven't actually had the courage to ask yourself the bigger questions mm. that are going to lead you to what's really going on, mm. right? Like we really are like these, you know, onions and you just keep peeling back layers. But, mm. you know, now that I've done the majority, I like to hope that I've done the majority of the heavy, heavy listing. Yeah. There's still like nuances. There's still stuff that I'm uncovering about myself that I'm like, wow, I totally didn't know that was there. Like, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I realized, wow, I'm still living with that Disney princess story. You know, the one that wants you to, you know, like I say, I want to make all my own money but I really like being taken care of, mm. right? And how much is that blocking the flow of abundance coming mm. into my life? There's a part yes. of me that like, right? Like, I so totally things. relate to that. <laughs> there's totally. Stuff. And that came about because over the past, you know, I don't know how many years now, and I've really been talking about this a lot, is unpacking my stories around money, unpacking mm -hmm. my stories around navigating my money, being a CFO in my business. Cause mm. who, who am I to do that? I'm not smart with numbers. I wasn't good at math. Like yeah. all those stories. Oh, my husband knows more about that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I've just had the realization that, wait, I actually am really on top of the stuff that's going on in my business. And my business is more organized than his stuff is. So that that switch there of yeah. like, wait a minute, I can't play that disempowered woman anymore because that's not where we're at. So those parts of me falling away, like what would it feel like to be the significant breadwinner in my house? Because mm. there's stuff there for me. So there's always stories, but we have to look at the value that those stories hold for us. Yep. Right? Because they, they, they give us value. Yes. That's why Absolutely. we hang on to them. Absolutely. And we have to look at what we're making it mean if we let them go, right? What am, I, what am I making that mean about me if I let it go? Will I still be loved? If he's not supporting me, will I still feel loved? Because I had attached and interwoven love and money so much, whereas money's neutral. So there's always going to be stuff there to discover. But instead of now feeling like I'm climbing the mountain and I'm going under the barbed wire, I really look at things now with curiosity. Yep. And just like, okay, well, this, this means that there's something more to discover about me, mm. right? Again, it's that every time I lean into my stories, I cultivate a deeper relationship with myself. Yeah. That's yeah. self-worth is born, right? That's right. Like, and I care enough to ask you questions about, you know, like we care enough to ask ourselves questions about ourselves. Gosh, that is, I'm so glad you said that. That is such a beautiful way to look at it because, you know, so many people don't nurture the relationship with themselves and the fact that it can be as simple as just being curious, more curious about yourself. 
you know, what is the relationship that you have with yourself on, you know, every level and just being curious about that without the judgment, you know, trying not to judge what that is, how it, you know, how it's come about, just letting it be, you know, just to let it just be what it is, knowing that it can be something else as well. But so what you just said there, curiosity yeah. and judgment cannot hang out together. Yeah. They don't, they cannot coexist. Mm. So if you're willing to look at your relationship with yourself and your stories with curiosity, the same way you would look at your kids and say, tell me about your day and how are you feeling? And oh, why do you think that? And why do you feel like it was hard? If we approached our relationship with the tender, loving care that we approach our kids' lives, if we actually got interested in ourselves, we would be so much healthier. But instead, we come at ourselves like, why did you do that? Why do you think that? Why, why are you this way? Why do you look this way? Why do you... Yeah. We're so hard on ourselves. So if you can just flip into, I'm going to be curious about this. And what, what's available for me to learn about myself? If I ask this question out of curiosity, like, why am I not taking care of my body? Why am I not giving myself 10 minutes a day? Why have I gone for eight hours without eating when everybody else is taken care of? Yes. Why haven't I like sat down and read a book or gone to bed at a normal time? Like, mm. why am I literally at the bottom of my pile? What about that is okay for me? And if I know that things I love, I take care of, things I love, I take care of, why am I not willing to take care of myself? Yes. And is that going to be something I'm willing to tolerate from this moment forward? Mm. How can I do better? How can I do better for myself? Yeah. Yeah. My goodness, you know, that is such a, I know that so many people listening to this will just really have one of those aha moments with that when you think, you know, if, how, I, how do I treat the people I love the most in my life? And if you're not treating yourself on somewhere near the same level as that, then that is such a, a phenomenal level of awareness to start to bring into your life, isn't it? such a phenomenal level of awareness because I mean self-worth is everything I mean it is the core fundamental foundational layers of our being you know when we're when we're not living from a place of self-worth or I mean it's I don't think we ever arrive at that destination do we though maybe that's a really good discussion to have like we never, there's not really a place to arrive at when it comes to self-worth. And I think that, you know, we're so wired for this point A to point B type of thing, you know, like I, I'm going to get from here to there and then everything will be fine. Right. And, and if then we, I'm done. Yeah. And then I'm done. Yeah. And, and done. then I'm done. It's all I'm easy done. from, it's all good. But, right. you know, the truth is, is it not that there is no, there might be a point A, which is where you are right now, but point B doesn't exist. And if we approach it differently, if we don't approach it from, I have to get to this point and then everything's fine. Will that not just shift the entire experience right. unto itself? Imagine if we made the journey and the process, everything. Mm. Like that's really right. Like when, when people say, well, how did you develop this self-worth now? 
I learn to love the process. Mm. I let go of the outcome, right? Like I'm not sitting here saying, yeah, I'm like, I got it all figured out. I do not, nor do I ever expect to, but I am committed to the process. I'm committed to the journey. I'm committed to no longer abandoning myself, mm. being part of myself. And, you know, just to kind of push the knife in a little deeper and twist it for all you mamas. Your kids don't care what you do. Mm. They're watching who you're being. Mm. So if you're telling them to take care of themselves, eat their vegetables, go to sleep, have a nap, be kind to themselves, say nice things, and you're not modeling it, there's going to be a disconnect. And then we perpetuate the story of mom says I should be taking care of myself, but there's this underlying belief that, well, she didn't. So how can I be deserving of that? Yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the greatest gift we can give our kids is by modeling. And I think that parents so often think that they have to stay on that pedestal. And one of the things I'm most proud of in my recovery is the fact that I parent from a place of being shoulder to shoulder with my children. Mm. We have the hard conversations. We talk about feelings. Um, you know, they come to me when stuff is going on, not about everything because they're normal teenagers. Mm. But when, you know, when the crap hits the fan, they know that they can talk to me and not because I'm going to tell them what to do, but because I'm going to listen, I'm going to ask them questions. I'm going to share. I share my stories with my kids the same way I share with everybody. I'll share with them the crappy relationships I had, the poor decisions I've made, my perspectives. If we would parent more from a place of storytelling, mm. wisdom, perspective, as opposed to do this and do that. And if we would really lead by example, like show up as leaders in our house, not dictators, leaders, leaders are shoulder to shoulder. Dictators are do this, do that. Yeah. So much. Well, let's, let's be honest, you know, do this, do that is the easier way to parent, isn't it? That's, well, that's how we, we feel. That's what we tell ourselves. It's easy to do that because the alternative is to be in the work with our children because our children are learning. They're at the age. They're sponges. They're taking it all in. They're not. They're, they're learning this environment that we create for them, school, home, wherever, is their yeah. environment that they're learning this. They're just absorbing it all. 100%. You know, we must be in the we must be in the work with them, as you say, shoulder to shoulder, yeah. learning as well. But yet, we're stuck in this place of, you know, it's like it's almost like we give birth and we expect that we should be able to then have it all together so that we can then parent our kids. Right. So it's so like it's like it stops there. Once I've given that's birth, right. that's it. It stops, doesn't it? Right. And we, because we have that story, we immediately start operating from a place of shame because we don't feel like we're good enough as parents. Yeah. And when we're in a place of shame, which again, nobody wakes up and says, wow, I think I feel shameful as a parent because we can't even identify with what we're feeling. But how that shows up is bad behavior. Parents behaving bad is because they feel shameful about something. So I was a dragon mommy for my first two. I'm not proud of that. I've 
forgiven myself. We've moved on. I've had conversations with my kids about it, but I literally was like, if they would just behave, I would feel better. Yes. There was no responsibility on my part to step back and say, wait a minute, what if this isn't about them? What if this is about me feeling insecure as a parent? What if this is about me feeling out of control because I don't know what I'm doing? What if this is because I don't know if I'm going to screw them up or if I'm getting it right and I love my work and I love my kids, but I don't know, like, did I really sign up for this? Like, yeah. did I, this, did I really sign up for this? And again, I had so many expectations on myself and then to realize that's not who I am. Then I just felt badly about it because I, I love my work. I love my kids, but I, um, I felt like I was missing that mom gene, right? Like I didn't want to bake cookies. I didn't want to go to store yes. shreds. I wanted to work. Yep. And I can look back now and say, I wanted to work because I felt like that's where I had control. That's yeah. where I was the master of my destiny. Mm. So, you know, again, all of that came from this flawed set of beliefs and expectations and rules and the way I thought I should do things. And none of it, none of it was true. My entire life was constructed from just things that I innocently picked up as I grew up, right? So we're, we're literally living by beliefs mm. that we created through the eyes of children. Mm. I know. Right? I know. And, and, then, and then we're using them as adults and I we're know. wondering why our lives are a hot mess. Yeah, that's right. And when you put it like that too, and not even as children, I mean, we really think about it. We're talking about five, six, seven-year-old children. And you, when you've got children yourself now and you see them at that age and you see the way they view the world, and then you realize that you've taken that view and implanted it into an adult body. It's, it really is a mind blowing um, understanding to, to really come to, isn't it? That, Oh my God, I'm living like a seven year old child. Right. <laughs> really? I'm interpreting the world like a seven year old child. Totally. And you know, as parents, we have to go easy on ourselves. Yes. As long as you love your children fiercely, like love them. Yes. Right. Make sure they're safe. That's their God-given right. I believe all children have the God-given right to grow up in a safe, loving relationship. Unfortunately, yes. that doesn't happen Yep. for a lot of kids. Trust that they are going to find their way. They are going to have garbage. You, there's no perfect parenting. Yes. My kids are screwed up. I can see stuff in them that I'm like, oh, you're going to need a coach or therapy later. Yep. But that's their God-given right. Yes. We come into this planet perfectly imperfect. We like start glomming all this stuff on ourselves. And then we hit like our, you know, mid to late thirties and we start realizing, God, why am I so tired? It's because we're carrying around so much crap that doesn't belong to us. Mm. And we slowly work the second half of our lives, stripping everything down. This is why the forties and fifties become so freeing because yes. you just give less Fs about everything Yeah, because you're willing to do the work. So stop worrying about whether or not you're going to ruin your children and show up real for them Yeah, and trust they'll find their way. And the generations coming up underneath us, they're a heck of a lot more. I mean, when I was 19, thank God there was no social media. And no, I look at my kids and I'm yeah. like, who are you amazing humans? Like you are so much more enlightened than I ever was at your age. So yeah. there's hope for the future. But what it comes down to is we have to stop trying to fix and guide everybody else. And we yes. have to point the finger at ourselves and say, where am I not doing my own work? That's where we can make the most impact in the world. When we change who we're being, we impact the world in a different way. Yes. 
Well, <laughs> that is such a beautiful way to finish off this episode because, you know, it really is so much about being willing and open and not even ready, but to just take an honest look at who we are being and how we're showing up and how we're feeling and focusing our energy and attention on that and then trusting that when we do that, the rest will just fall into whatever place it's going to be and we can go to bed at night knowing that we have shown up for the world and we've shown up for ourselves as best as we can. 100%. Yeah. You want to manifest anything in your life? Manage your energy. Yeah. Manage your emotions. That is what changes everything. That is what creates the magical world you want. It's all about your energy and your intentions behind everything that you do, every behavior that you have, every belief that you have, every thought you think. So don't get overwhelmed, baby step it. Uh, But really know that this is your life to create. So stop living from your circumstances, stop being a victim, step into responsibility and get out there and create the life that you want to live because it's possible. Yeah, it is possible. And not only is it possible, we deserve it. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And it's so much, it's so much easier on the other side. You know, I don't have to push and strive and drive and there's so much more ease and flow and fulfillment in my life now. Yeah. All the years that I tried to push to make something happen and get there. If only I'd known that what I really needed to do was let go. Yes. Love myself oh. and let it be easy. Yeah. When you say let go, they are... The words I think we all need to hear, just let go. Just let go. Let it go. I use uh, surrender. And when you Mm. think you've surrendered, surrender more. (laughs) And then surrender more again. Because Mm. surrender is, you know, if you can visualize this, it's when you're gripping tightly, you're swimming upstream, you're wearing cement shoes and the water is just coming at you and you feel like life is forcing its way down your throat. Surrender is about kicking off the cement shoes, flipping over onto your back, looking up at the sky, looking up at the heavens and handing it over. Surrender isn't about giving it up. It's about handing it over and letting the flow take you and trusting that you're going to float. Oh, absolutely. Wow. That was so beautifully said. I have to say, uh, I have learned so much from just spending this hour with you now for myself. And I know that so much of what you have shared is familiar to me. I've heard a lot of this before, but to hear it again and to hear it in different contexts has been incredibly powerful, which means if it's been incredibly powerful for me, it's going to be phenomenally powerful for those that are listening as well. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for you know, spending this time with me and with my community as well to share yourself, to share the power, to share the ease, to share the beauty and the, you know, the struggle as well. But with this underlying message that when we take 100% responsibility for where we are, who we are and what we're doing, that we can then step into our power to create what it is that we want for ourselves, whatever that looks like. So I know that when people are finished listening to this episode, they are going to want to hear from you more. They're going to want to connect with you in some way, shape or form. So please, first of all, 
can I just say to the audience, um, you know, you, if you do nothing else after this, um, this episode, can you please go and have a look at Lisa's website? Because even just reading her homepage, I promise you, you will be a different person just from reading her homepage. Okay, lisacarpenter.ca, please. I'm sure you're about to share that, but I am just going to let you know. Just go and read her homepage of her website, okay? I promise it'll take you but a few minutes to do, but you will not be the same person again once you read that. But how else can people connect with you, Lisa? First, I need to say thank you for having me on. It was my pleasure and my honor. And it's still powerful for me when I receive praise like that. And when mm. somebody shares with me that I've impacted them, because for anybody who's putting their work out into the world, one, it's vulnerable. Mm. Two, for all the people we impacted or impact, I like to believe I impact a lot of people. That doesn't mean we hear from a lot of people. Yep. Right? There's people we impact we never hear from. So I Absolutely. always really take that and just really receive it and acknowledge that I'm receiving that. So thank you. So um, as for your listeners, uh, yes, they can check me out on my website. And on my website, you'll find a list of other interviews I've done and blog posts and you know the shebang. Where I hang out, specifically is on Instagram, predominantly on Instagram stories. I'm still a pretty crappy like Instagram poster because I write too much. I write yes. really posts. I write really long posts. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, grab a cup of tea because I'm writing this post. So what I'm actually, you can find me over on Instagram, on Instagram stories at uh, Lisa Carpenter Inc. And as of March 1st, my own podcast will be coming out and it's called Full Frontal Living Podcast. So what I'm really doing with that is taking these long things that I write because it's, you know, like I, yes. I can articulate what I want through, through my writing and really turning them into podcast episodes and expanding on them. Mm -hmm. um, because again, in the whole, let it be easy, let's just take content that I've already created that I know is already resonating and magical for mm. people and let's put it in an audio format. And then this way I can deliver whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want it. Yes. I want. Well, so. that will be one powerful podcast to listen to. I'm very excited for that to come out. I'm excited too. It's taken a long time for me, you know, even me get up the courage, Lisa, yeah. just record, hit record, mm. just do it. So Exciting. I can't wait. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a beautiful conversation. I'm really excited for everyone to hear from you, to learn more about you and to just absorb the wisdom that you share as well. So to all you beautiful souls that are listening, thank you for spending the time with Lisa and I today. And please, you know, send me a DM on Instagram or on Facebook and let me know if you can narrow it down to one or two powerful things that you took away from this. So I'd love to hear from you to hear um, how this episode has impacted you in some way. So thank you so much. And I cannot wait to catch you on the very next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Manifesting Mum podcast. If you found this episode helpful, I'd love you to subscribe, rate and review over on iTunes. See you at the next episode.